Hello, and welcome to the Community IT Innovators Technology Topics Podcast, where we discuss nonprofit technology, cybersecurity, tech project implementation, strategic planning, and nonprofit IT careers. Find us at communityit.com. Thank you for joining Community IT for this podcast, Part 1. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits. Listen for Part 2 in your podcast feed. Welcome, everyone, to Community IT uh, Innovators webinar on managing Google Workspace and Office 365 together. Today, we're really excited to present a case study in an educational setting, the Social Justice School, which is a startup charter middle school in Washington, D.C. Um, we're going to explore the differences between the two platforms and when you might like to combine them. Uh, we will talk about why you might make an intentional decision to create a hybrid online system the way they have done and how you would manage it. Um, if you joined us last month, we talked about uh, Google Workspace in depth uh, in June. So if you missed it or if you have more questions after this webinar, I invite you to go back and check that out on our website. Uh, you can watch the video or listen to the podcast online. Our focus today is going to be more on how to manage a hybrid system uh, and less on going in depth into Google Workspace. So our learning objectives... Um, are to describe Google Workspace and Office 365 as nonprofit IT platforms and learn the basics about each. So after this session, you should be able to know something about that. Uh, you will also be able to understand the challenges to managing a cloud-based hybrid system at the enterprise level, level and describe some solutions. And you will be able to learn about Social Justice School's approach to managing Google Workspace and Office 365 together in an educational setting. So today's uh, webinar is about education, but if you're not in education, but interested in these two platforms together, you've come to the right place. Uh, don't worry. I wanna remind everyone now that community IT is vendor agnostic. So this presentation is discussing how nonprofits use these specific tools and what we are observing about the way nonprofits are using them. But we aren't recommending any platform in general, and we would only make recommendations to our clients based on specific business needs, uh, which in the case of this um, educational client uh, involved these two platforms. All right, with that, I'm going to um, move on to introduce myself. My name is Carolyn Woodard. I'm in charge of outreach at Community IT. I'll be monitoring the Q&A in the chat and helping Norwin with his presentation. And I've already learned a lot about Google Workspace and Office 365 just from putting this together. So I'm looking forward to learning uh, more about it and hearing about the Social Justice School. So Norwin, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hello, and thank you for that. Uh all disclosures. Uh, my name is Norwin Herrera. I'm an IT business manager. I've been in community for about three years now. And I'm, I'm the IT business manager for the, specifically for the social justice group. 
And can you tell me just before we go on a little bit more about the IT business manager at Community IT and and what your role is? So my understanding is that when an uh, organization doesn't have its own IT director specifically on staff, that's something that you do. Yes, that's exactly the role. It's it's a kind of new IT business manager is kind of new name in the industry, uh, but it's uh, usually when you have a managed service provider like Community IT uh, and the organization that is uh, requ- requesting the services, they don't have an IT director or they need somebody to give them guidance how to manage their IT internally, they get an IT business manager assigned to them. So basically, it's like having an internal IT director or um, CTO, if you want to call it, whatever use you want for it at a different price, basically, because we're not there 24-7, but we are there 24-7, meaning uh, we are not physically with the company, with the organization every day, but if they need us and they send us an email, they give us a call or they request time from us, we are right there when they need it. And then we know we our, our role is to know and understand exactly how is the organization infrastructure so we can give the better uh, advice, you know, when they need it. It's basically that's our role as ITVM for all our clients. Excellent. And I think you also can, you develop a long-term relationship with them. So you understand kind of where they're coming from, their organization, and you can help them with strategy. Um, which is I help yes yes we help them with everything basically we see the infrastructure we see the where are the needs to improve and sometimes I mean most of the time we help them as well with the budget which is one of the biggest one of the biggest thing and challenge in organizations you know sometimes organizations don't have a budget for technology they just pay the website they pay the developer they pay for their domain name. You know, but they forget other stuff, you know, that are important in the organization. So our role is to make sure that they have money allocated for technology because uh, uh, technology is not a luxury and, and, and the organization is basically part of the strategic role in the organization. So IT is in a strategic role in the organization so everybody uh, can basically take advantage of it. Great. That's a great answer. So uh, before we go a lot farther, I'm going to uh, introduce Community IT for anyone who's not familiar with us. We are a 100% employee-owned managed service provider. We provide outsourced IT support, and we work exclusively with nonprofit organizations. Our mission is to help nonprofits accomplish their missions through the effective use of technology. Um, We serve nonprofits across the United States, and we've been doing this for over 20 years. We are technology experts, and we are consistently given the MSP 501 recognition for being a top MSP, which is an honor we actually just this week received again for 2022. So I haven't had a chance to update our graphic for it, but um, we're happy to still be in the, the 501 club, basically. And so now I'm very happy to welcome our guest presenter from the Social Justice School, uh, Dominique Diggs. So Dominique, would you like to introduce yourself and the Social Justice School? 
Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Dominique Diggs. I was serving on the social justice school as a senior manager of operations and development, um, but I have moved into like a strategy operations consultant role um, with the social justice school, but I did help to found our school and I work um, heavily on our processes and programs still. And so I was the one who basically developed the relationship with community IP, knowing that we had a, a stringent need for um, technology infrastructure and that we were not the experts on that. And so they have been extremely essential to our school since we started the relationship. And I'm really excited to tell you all more about our school and the ways in which that we are really integrating um, technology and different management pieces to be um, successful in our operation. And would you like to talk a little bit more about the school itself and your mission? Yeah, um, I'm actually in our school building right now because I've had a number of meetings today. Um, so it's the Social Justice School, we were founded in 2020 and we're located in the Northeast neighborhood of Washington, D.C. by the Fort Totten Metro. We were founded by two long-term educators um, who worked in D.C. schools for about two decades, Myron Long, who's our executive director, and then Brandon Johnson, who is our founding principal. Um, our educational model really just focuses on building like blocks for rigorous academic instruction that also really include learning expeditions to apply like real life thinking and critical thinking skills that are all rooted in social justice and liberatory design thinking. Um, liberatory design thinking for us is really just giving our scholars the opportunity to develop and design responses to systems of inequity that are, you know, the goal is to create an inclusive and equitable world that's really big for us. So our mission is aligned with just like love, learning, and liberation. Uh, we believe that like that learning is always kind of the key for, for our scholars and their families to really understand the history behind why things happen and to critically think about ways to respond to those systems if they are inequitable, to come up with ways to make more equitable outcomes for communities that are underrepresented and underserved. Awesome. It's an amazing mission. We're so proud and uh, happy to work with you on that and make sure that technology side of it works so that the school side of it can work. And uh, for everyone uh, listening, um, the website is thesocialjusticeschool.org. So you can uh, catch up with them later and contact them if you're interested in more information on that. All right, so now we're gonna do a little bit of uh, interaction to get things going. Um, I'm going to give you a poll. If I can get it to start. All right, um, here we go. All right, so this poll is about, are you a hybrid already? And if you are a hybrid, are you a happy hybrid is the first choice. Um, are you all Google all the time? Are you all Microsoft for everything? Are you an, uh, an unhappy hybrid? So you are struggling to manage your systems, which um, there's no judgment here. This is what we're here to talk about. It's complicated. So, um, and the last option was not applicable. All right. Um, so my nonprofit is all Google all the time was about 17%. All Microsoft was 21%. A happy hybrid was about 30%. 
and an unhappy hybrid was 33%. So those two are very close. Um, so people who are, are happy with the way that they're managing them together and then people that are maybe have some more questions. All right. So next, um, we're going to talk about a couple definitions. So um, for those of you who are interested in these two platforms, we didn't want to just jump in assuming that you knew everything about them already. So we're going to quickly go through um, some definitions and we're going to start with Google Workspace and what tools it includes and maybe a little bit of the tools that um, Social Justice School is using. So Norwin, could you talk a little bit about this slide? Well, you know, if I see the poll, we have only 20, 17% uh, of the people is not using Google in this, in this webinar. So it's very interesting because some way the 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 our audience already know about Google and the use. Why um I made a little uh, mark in some of the list of the services that Google Workspace provide. And I just made it this way because I wanted to point out that some people have all the capacity to use uh, Google Workspace, but they just use the minimum. Usually they use the Gmail, they use the Google Docs, Google Sheets, and Drive. And I think Google Meets sometimes, you know, sometimes. They, they choose, sometimes the organizations choose to use Zoom, for example, for uh, communicating with the, with, the, with, the, with the learners, with the students. In this case, uh, remember in the pandemic, uh, Zoom took a really high pick of uh, sales and, and usage. And I was about to die, honestly. When 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 we became in the pandemic, Zoom was going to disappear, and then suddenly they revived and became alive. But I just wanted to mention that people uses these only these five most of the times, and they use uh, Google Drive, of course, to 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 share data, uh, to share their files, you know, to share their uh, documents, um, and they don't use it the way that it's supposed to be used. I think there is a presentation about Google, a webinar about a Google Workspace for last, last uh, month, if I'm not mistaken, with, with Steve. So if you want to know more about Google Workspace and, and, and all the benefits, you can check it out in that one. And in this case, Go ahead. You want to ask I was just going to say, before we go to the next slide, if you wanted to talk a little bit about for anyone on the webinar who's really actually interested because of the education um, case study, if you wanted to talk a little bit about there's Google Classroom, there's the Chromebook program, and then Google Workspace for education is um, has is what schools are using. Is that correct? That, that is correct. Nonprofit organizations can apply for a Google uh in this case, it's Google for Education, but there is Google for, for nonprofits as well. And, and they receive, uh, basically, they receive most of the, the packages almost free. Almost free. I'm not going to say free completely, but almost free. And then same case scenario with Microsoft, right? There is, there is uh, And we hold them in the process. So basically, if they don't have it, uh, community can help them to get that benefit from Google. In this case, I think uh, Dominic and her team already applied for the School of Justice. So they already had it when we uh, get got on board with them. So uh, we just tweak it a little bit, you know, we start using it from, from, from the point they already got it. 
And in Office 365, it's exactly the same thing. You know, people have Microsoft Office, but they use only Word, Excel, PowerPoint. If they're using the email, they use the, the email. Sometimes they're, right now, for example, they are not using SharePoint. I mean, no SharePoint, no, they're not using uh, OneDrive, which is their personal cloud. So the OneDrive is similar to the Google Drive, right? So you you have an, a cloud space that is a personal space. Usually they give you like a gigabyte. So it's, it's pretty huge, you know? You don't need to, to carry on your thumb drive anymore to save your files. You can save them right there in your Google Drive. I mean, OneDrive. The difference, I mean, not the difference. The thing is, this is a property of the organization that is providing you the, the account, okay? So it's not your personal, it is your personal drive, but it's not yours. It's, uh, it's, it's part of the company. So when you leave, you are going to need to take it and you know save it somewhere else. But usually people stay in organizations for a long time. So I use mine for personal, I mean, barely for personal, but I use some, I use mine. Uh, I think we talked a lot about the file sharing in the webinar last month. It is a little bit complicated, so I don't want to go down into it here. But if you do have questions, um, we also got a couple of questions that came in through the Q&A. And I just want to reassure everyone that if there are questions that we can't get to, um, I will put them in the transcripts with uh, an answer from our experts at Community IT. So there's a couple of fairly specific questions in the Q&A right now, um, which we might not have a chance to get to. We'll see if we have time at the end. We'll try to circle back around to them. Um, but don't worry, we will answer them. We just might not have time today because it's only an hour. So I wanted to um, go to the next slide, which is kind of reinforces what Norwin was just saying about the the different platforms have very similar tools to do similar things. Um, I wanted to make sure to mention some people have had questions about Google Workspace because it uses Gmail, um, but it's when you're using Google Workspace, you have a license for it, you get your own domain. So you have a professional looking email, you know, your, your name at your domain. It, it's not at a Gmail account. So just to clarify that for um, for anyone who had questions about that. So we tried to match up um, most of these tools um, with, with what they are on the two different platforms. So you can see they're very, very comparable. Um, and if we go to the next slide, um, Norwin, you and I, you talked a little bit about this already, about the licenses. So did you want to talk a little bit more to describe the, the different licenses available? Yeah, it's it's a... Uh... This part is extremely complicated because there's a bunch of licenses everywhere. And depending on the, the need that you have in your organization, that's the license you're going to use. If usually if you can if you want to use the cloud version of them, they are free. So you can like open a, br a browser, put your credentials and use it. You can use Word, Excel, PowerPoint, you can use everything free. I mean, you don't have to pay. If you want to install those applications in your computer, that's the that's the tweak. You know, sometimes for Microsoft, for example, you have to purchase a license that is a monthly a monthly cost. We as Community IT usually recommend uh, the Microsoft Business Premium because it has almost everything, and also it's uh, autopilot Intune is included. Something that we recommend for our organizations because it's uh, it's um, 
automatic installation, basically. And only the people in your organization can use that device. Something There's something similar to that in Apple, and the Apple Business Manager is called. So you enroll your device to Apple Business Manager, and as soon as you enroll it, you can deploy uh, software. We, as community IT, we deploy something that we call, is called Adigy. We use Adigy as, as a tool to manage the devices. And through Adigy, we install the software in the computers. It, there, is, there has to be a previous conversation with the organization to install, for example, Microsoft, Adobe, Google Chrome, if you want to have Mozilla, uh, Slack, any software that you want to install in those computers, we can install it. And it's easier to deploy the devices. Also, if somebody steals that computer, you can basically, you can block the computers. You can factory reset it if you think it's never going to come back. So you can factory reset the device remotely so you don't lose data. And also you have a backup of the data if you are using in the cloud data. So that's that's what is the licensing about. It's kind of complex to explain every single license, but... Uh, if if you reach out to us, you know, we have a really good department that can guide you through. If you want to become one of our customers, well, welcome to contact I us. Say, I think that's um, that goes back to what we were saying about your role as the IT business manager. So we do have, I think, uh, clients, nonprofits who have started out in the free tier on either of these platforms, because when you're starting a nonprofit, you're really cost conscious. Um, but generally, when um, as you grow and as you're planning for growth, I think our general um, recommendation would be that at some point you have to mature as an organization and pay for your licenses and you're just going to get a lot more. Like you have a lot more storage, you have a lot more security, like you were saying, you just you're going to need that for your business needs. Um, all right, I'm going to go along to our next um, slide, which is a little bit more about workspace. So the characteristics and advantages, and particularly for today's case study, you know, we talked a little bit about um, Google is becoming a pretty industry standard for educational settings. Um, so did you want to talk a little bit about that, Norwin? I mean, um, usually, as I said, in the pandemic, this came like on top of it, you know, because um, something that also was a factor here is that the industry of computers crashed. You know, people was with the people was not buying computers anymore. Why? Well, because your phones were acting as a computer, and people really didn't need to have a computer at home. So, in the pandemic, and in the moment that everybody started saying, "Okay, we're going to convert ourselves into remote work," right? So everybody said, I need a computer, I need a laptop. So people start buying laptops. It was a high shortage of computers in the whole planet because they were not prepared for this. And at the same time, Chromebooks, you know, which is Chromebooks is the, the ones that are being used by uh, educational institutions because they are basically, they're not completely a computer, but they look like a computer. They are attached to a Google account. So it's a Chromebook is made by Google. So basically, these two factors made that um, basically the workspace environment improve. So it was, a, it was a push in between uh, the whole industry, right? 
So one of the things that is happening here in the workspace characteristics, I'm not just going to read it out loud. You know, lightweight, quick, and easy, no Windows partiality, fantastic search. I mean, search engines are now the key for it. Fits well uh, with the best of the stack, oriented towards the end user. Of course, they need to make it easier for the user and a strong presence in school, as I, I explained before, and works great with other workspace uh, users and tools. So basically, it's, it's, it's uh, a, a similar thing with the Microsoft 365. What I wanted to say about this is either Microsoft or Google have been in the industry for a long time. So they know what they are doing. So you sometimes between choosing Google and Microsoft is more about your personal preference than the tool itself. You know, Microsoft wants to be a complete IT stack. Office desktop suite has been a standard oriented toward the administrator. Microsoft DNA is that it is an enterprise service company. They have always worked with the IT department. So work rates with other Microsoft users. So one of the benefits from Microsoft, why me personally, right? I'm going to give you my personal opinion. Why do I go a little bit for Microsoft? Well, because everything in Microsoft is there. So they know what they have. They know what they're building. And every time they build something, they make sure that they connect to another one. So all the tools that they have built in the, in the Microsoft space is connected to one another. And for some reason, makes the collaboration easier. And if you, if you want to talk about uh, security, well, and the moment that you enter into your Microsoft account and you add Microsoft, uh, I'm sorry, multi-factor authentication as a secure method right now, you are securing the whole environment at the same time. So you don't need to be protecting my files, protecting my email, protecting my documents, protect, so you don't have to protect them all separate, all in once. I skipped over a slide because I wanted to, um, I think the way you were talking about it just led me to this slide, which is in general, inside each of those platforms, they do want to keep you inside of the platform. So like you said, Microsoft all integrates with the other Microsoft tools, Google within Google Google's workspace all integrates within itself. So if you are in one of those platforms, in general at Community IT, we would recommend you to stay in that platform <laughs> because if you're going to be trying to get you know, something else, it's like paddling against the current. So why wouldn't you paddle with the current? It's a lot easier to work within that platform. But in this case, we're talking about a deliberate combination of the two. So before we get to that, though, I want to quick jump back to the slide that I skipped because this came from a um, pre-registration question, which was about how to protect client, student, and staff data on the cloud. So this particular combination that we're talking about, work, Google Workspace with Office 365 is cloud-based. And I think a lot of people have questions about that if it's as secure as um, as other systems that maybe we had before. So um, I don't know, Norwin, do you want to talk about this or do you want me to, to tackle it? I mean, uh, I, uh, I can talk about it if you want. Yeah, go ahead. And you can help me out if, if it's need to. Uh, there is one of the biggest things right now that we're recommending to everybody is 
have a second factor authentication associated with your account. That's, you know, period. There's no negotiation about that one. If you want to protect your organization, invest in in deploying multi-factor authentication, okay? Because, yes, there is, in our report, we have a report for a cybersecurity report. You can find it on our website. You can download it. You can see the whole report. We have everything about security is written right there in the in the report. So there is no one single organization that has been compromised if they have multi-factor authentication. All the compromised organizations, all, all in our clients, yes, all the organizations that have been compromised is because they didn't implement multi-factor authentication. And it's not because we didn't mention it or we didn't <laughs> encourage them to just do to it. be clear. <laughs> just to be clear, is because sometimes the organization think it's so difficult to deploy a, a project that they ask for permissions. You know, they want to negotiate with the with the with the organization. When do we do it? What is the best time? There is never going to the be best time, time is yesterday. The yeah. best time is yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> so if you want to protect your organization, if you want to know what is the best way to protect them, multi-factor authentication. What that's the first one that I'm thinking uh, on top of my head. Okay. So don't waste your time. Go ahead and do it. And then there is some information here that you can use, you know. Uh, sure. I want to go over it a little bit quickly because yes. we want to be mindful of time. So we often say that any platform can be used insecurely, even if it's a secure platform. So if you share your login with someone, your password with someone, then it's not a secure platform anymore. Um, and that the training is really important to develop that sense of security and that your staff know how to be um, proactive and protected online. Um, and like you said, the strong passwords, uh, multi-factor authentication. I also want to remind people that if you have um, personally identifying information in your database, um, you know, particularly if you're working with students, then you have specific requirements, legal requirements on that. So you need to know what those are. Um, there are federal guidelines around that. And then if you have specific questions for your organization that we're not um, able to answer today, um, we have a cybersecurity expert on our staff, so you can get a hold of them at our website. Thank you for joining Community IT for this podcast, part one. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits. Listen for part two in your podcast feed. Community IT does these free webinars and podcasts for our community, and we love sharing our knowledge and experience. If you have more questions or are having trouble with your IT at your nonprofit, please get in touch with us on our website, www.communityit.com, so we can start a conversation or schedule an assessment. Downloading any of our free resources there will get you signed up for our webinar reminders, and you can attend our next webinar in real time and ask our experts your own questions. If you love podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits.